0: We don't often do this, but it's it's an opportunity for us to, to live out what I talk about all the time. An update on Travis is that Travis has been moved into a, a rehab facility that he is now beginning to recover and regain his life from the injuries that he sustained in the accident. And it's a It's an amazing thing to be standing here this close to such a tragic accident in such a place that had such limited medical care. And you've heard the stories. And if you haven't, go on to my Facebook or Josh Nipple's Facebook or some others and read some of the ways in which God has taken care of Travis as well through this process, the things that he has done. I know many of you have had a chance to give, and then there's a couple of places online that if you go to F1 Engineering or if you have a, a Venmo account, if you're up on that kind of thing, you can go right to Travis's account and give to him that way. And many of you are, may have already done that, but we want to make sure that, that if you don't have any of that ability or if you don't deal with that kind of stuff, we're going to send around these baskets and we want to take up a special offering and everything that comes inside of this offering is just going to be sent down to Travis to help offset those medical expenses no pressure at all but this is how we live out our faith in the reality of a situation based on our belief that eternity is going to be better our reality has to to live out our belief in eternity And we know that that there's something more for Al to be doing and an opportunity for him to share. There's a way in which Travis is going to be able to use the reality of his life to express the faith that he has in God through Jesus Christ. And we've talked about this grace upon grace. We talked about it again last week and the fact that God has given us grace and given us a place and has been a provider and a protector for us since His creation of this world. But on top of that, then He gave us more grace through Jesus to restore that relationship once and for all for eternity. That out of His grace came more grace. And that we give out of the overflow of grace that has been given to us already. We have the opportunity to do that. That's what we get to do. That's what we talk about when we look at this passage out of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 that we talked about last week, that it's by grace, through faith, you have been saved. Grace has been provided, and then through faith, you exercise that grace. You get to do that throughout your life. And so we're going to take an opportunity and we're just going to pray right now first and then I'll get into to sharing a few things that I have written down here as well. But we've been given a pretty tremendous opportunity to see this lived out as we're talking about it. <laughs> Make no mistake that, that God knows what He's doing, folks. Okay, Father, thank You for a reminder that You care for us that You care for the details of our life, and that You are preparing things in advance for us to do to exercise the very faith that we have in You based upon our understanding of grace. That we have an opportunity to live differently. That we have been set apart and saved by Your grace, and we get to live through faith in that, and it will change the way in which we live our lives. Lord, I pray that we would do that. Thank You for Al, for the the diagnosis of the benign tumor. Lord, I pray that the procedure now goes well, that You would remove that from his body and he'd have a story to tell. Lord, thank You for all of the ways in which you, You took care of Travis through the accident, the many people that were engaged, those that knew him and those that didn't, that stepped up and took care of him in his time of need. Lord, that these would all be stories that we can share with others about Your goodness to us. That we don't believe that they are coincidences. That that we know Your hand was in these situations and these are the opportunities we have to celebrate. Father, thank You for Your grace and Your love to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So as we have been looking at these things... We talked about grace upon grace last week. This week, I want to look at the word faith. What does that mean? That we have been saved by grace because as we read earlier, right, that Jesus is the author and the perfecter, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. That He was the example, right? That's really what that means. That He was the author of it. He wrote the book on it of what it was like to be faithful. That faith took Him to the cross. Faith that His Father would do what His Father said He would do, right? That His Father would deliver Him over death and conquer death once and for all. That sin would be eliminated and and we would have an opportunity for that relationship that we were designed to have in the first place. That's grace. Grace upon grace. That we have that example that expressed upon grace through Christ. He was an example of how to apply grace in our own lives. Right? By grace through faith. Jesus was that example of how to apply grace by living faithfully. By understanding it, by becoming part of it. As I reread this verse again, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Faith is then seeing those things that God has already planned in advance for us to do. Grace allows us to to be saved and brought into that relationship and to know that your eternity is secure. That's all done. And as we focus on that, we live by faith that that exists. We believe it, that it's out there. We live as if we know exactly that God has planned our days. Faith is what it takes to look for and complete those good works. Faith is what it takes to look for and complete those good works that are prepared in advance for us to do. They're not easily seen all the time, are they? (laughs) They take different shapes and sizes, and, and it takes us actually opening our eyes faithfully, believing that God can use us in a situation for us to be used. It's the opportunity to express that faith that we believe in grace, that eternity is cared for. Faith is demonstrating by our life, our belief, in heavenly things. That's really what it comes down to. That we believe there's something more than just the reality we live in. Because let's face it, right? If we had faith in the earthly things that we have, <laughs> they're going to let us down. All of them fail. Whether they're human, whether they're material, whatever it is, whatever you put your faith in here, breaks down. It's temporary. That's just the way it is. So your faith can't be based on something that you know will fail. Your faith has to be in something that is beyond that. That has already been cared for, that there is a place being prepared for you, an opportunity for you to live wholly complete, made perfect, is what Hebrews says. That one day there'll be an opportunity for us as a body to join with all of the saints from all of history and be made perfect. And the Bible talks about that. That that's what the exercise of our faith leads to. That's the opportunity that awaits us. That by grace, we've been given an opportunity to enter into a relationship that requires faith for it to work. We didn't have to do anything to receive grace. But we have the opportunity to show others grace by our faith. What Al has the opportunity to do and express is very different now, today even. He can say to the doctors, I believed from the beginning that it was going to be okay. Because my faith wasn't in this body that I'm in right now. Hebrews 11, we find a chapter, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to leave out all the names and the stories and leave that for you because I want you to read it throughout the week and just just read some of the stories, some of the people that were engaged in that what we call the hall of faith, okay? Now faith, in verse 1, Hebrews 11, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That very construct right there, we could talk about all day. That there was nothing visible is what it says. And yet God formed the universe out of it. And we have faith in that. It it is such a struggle to prove it, right? We keep searching and searching and trying to prove it and making sure that we understand all the facts and that we get it straight so that we can then believe it, right? That's not faith. We want to read through these stories and we look at Noah inside of this hall of faith and we say, how could one man build a boat so big that it fit all those animals on it? If we could just find the boat, right? Surely it's in Turkey somewhere. There are documentaries out there of planes that have flown over the the, the mountains and seen pictures of what that looks like, a boat stuck in a big patch of ice, and let's go find it, and then we'll know. That's not why Noah's in the book. He's in there because he built the ark, because God told him to build the ark, because something was going to happen that he had never seen before. Before. He had an assurance of what was not yet seen. He had faith. And He was commended for it. You can read through the entirety of Scripture and find very little about what God recognizes other than faith. A life that is lived faithfully. It's a highly underrated commodity in our society. It's evidenced in our 50% marriage and divorce rate, right? It's evidenced in the way that we throw away relationships, we throw away cars, we throw away houses, right? Where We have no faith that God's going to provide. We have faith in the things that we can see that we can touch, that that job is better for me, and it will be more security. Why? Because it's hard to live by faith. It's difficult. That's why God commends these men and and all that will join with them in the end because of their faithfulness. that they believed in in things, that they hoped for things that were not yet visible. That they understood they had a relationship with God Almighty, but they also had to exercise their faith in believing it and living like it. As believers, we are to see the eternal value of grace in everything that we do. Everything that we do, we should see the eternal value of grace. That everything we are doing, all of the things that we believe and put our time into and exercise our faith in, should be ultimately to the end of eternal things. That's what these men believed as they built an ark, as as Abel offered the first fruits of of his production here on this earth. Abel, the the firstborn of Adam and Eve, right? He offers up a sacrifice because he knew it was the right thing to do. He wasn't worried about whether God was going to provide more animals. He knew he would. Because he knew where he got the first ones. He knew that what we talk about, that everything is from him and through him and to him. Adam, Eve, all of them passed that on to Abel, and Abel believed it. He had faith that God was who he said he was. Abraham was called to live in a land, right, where God would show him. Abraham literally got directions to nowhere. He was just supposed to go. And I will show you where you're going to end up. That's faith. It's an incredibly valuable characteristic, but yet very underrated in our world. Successful people, wealthy people, talented people, they get recognition, right? When's the last time you saw an awards show for the most valuable player? Just like last week, right? How about the most faithful one? Ever? How about the guys that are on the scout teams every day making that talented player better? As a coach, I get that. That kid's faithful. He doesn't have to show up. He knows his playing time is not going to be higher than the kid that's more talented than him. But he still shows up and does his job faithfully. A kid that really understands that is of more valuable value to the team than anybody else that's talented. But in our world, we don't have awards for those things. And... And in the Christian life, we don't, right? Being faithful doesn't always mean <laughs> that you're going to be successful. Being faithful means you're going to maybe battle cancer. Being faithful to go to Haiti means you may up in a, end up in a car accident that could t- take your life or at least dramatically change your life, right? All of these folks had that in common. Kind of a pet peeve of mine is the way the world tells us faithfulness doesn't matter. And, and this, one is, this one has bothered me. And I'm not a gamer in the first place. So video games and I have never gotten along. But PlayStation has this new mantra out there that is really bothering me. They have these games that are like role-playing games and you can win all these worlds and travel and you can become king of your own virtual world. And at the end of the commercial, it flashes on the screen in big words, greatness awaits. Where? In what world does greatness await? But yet, that's what we're piping into our children, folks. We're saying that you can be great because you can use your thumbs better than the other guy. Again, I'm being totally biased here, okay? Because we tell the same kids... The same thing on the football field, right? We tell them, you can go get a scholarship, you can be NCAA, you can go to the pros, and you can be great. Greatness awaits there too. It's a problem in our world, okay? When we use words like this, when we tell them lies about what greatness is, When's the last time we told our children that greatness awaits in being a good dad? When's the last time we told our kids that greatness awaits by being helpful to the teacher at school? We don't because that means you've got to be faithful. And that's a really hard concept. Doesn't have the same sizzle, does it? (laughs) But it has eternal value. Inside of this same passage in Hebrews 11. You read all of these stories. I'm going to read these two small passages because this is what the Word says about these people. That all these people were still living by faith when they died. And you're thinking, thanks for the encouragement. They did not receive the things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them." There's a different country, a different city, that all of the saints before and all of the saints that die today and all of those yet to come will dwell in. It's being prepared. And all of these folks that are listed in Hebrews 11, didn't see it come to fruition. They're still waiting because God is drawing us into the city as well. <laughs> says that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They lived as if they were not part of this world. As believers, that's the most difficult thing that we face, isn't it? Knowing that when we sign up for grace and understand that Jesus paid a price for our sins, that immediately we are citizens of heaven. That our loyalties lie somewhere else. That we're constantly inside of this world going to be yearning for that other city. And it means we're going to look different. It means we're going to stand out. We're going to value things differently. That's the goal of having faith in earthly things or eternal things. The differentiation. The second one, right? These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You see, all of those saints that have gone on before are just waiting for God's plan to come to fruition that all of us together then will be made perfect at that last trumpet, the way the Scriptures end, right? The dead in Christ will rise. If you read Thessalonians, Christ will return. Those dead will rise. They'll be made perfect. We will join them. And so they're waiting. They're still living in faith. They're waiting for the conclusion of the story, and God is having them wait for our benefit. They're waiting on us. They're waiting to see how many more faithful can be drawn. (laughs) How many will choose grace and then live it out faithfully to pass on grace upon grace by their lives. That's what we get to do. When you read those verses in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, now that you've been saved by grace through faith, you had nothing to do with the plan, right? It wasn't of yourselves. It was a gift of God because we would just want to brag about creating our own salvation. And God said, I'm taking that off the table. It's not how grace works. You're going to have to live by faith. You want to tell people about salvation, you're going to have to tell them about me and then you're going to have to live it out. Because you're going to have to trust me on this one. You're going to have to live differently than everybody else. To believe in eternal things more than earthly things. For your security... for your happiness. <laughs> These were commended <laughs> for that faith. We're just stewarding the grace, right? So We talked about last week. We're investing our time, our money, our, our grace, the things that have been given to us, and then the overflow of that, we are investing it back into the family of God. Into those that He might call to be the faithful ones. The ones that follow us. The next generation. That will then have the opportunity to wait on them. (laughs) There is a time coming when we'll all be made perfect. When Christ returns and He rules for a thousand years... (laughs) with all the faithful. With all of them from all times. So what do we do until then? (laughs) As we wait and we continue to, to understand that grace has secured our place in eternity, right? And we are living by faith. What does that look like? We see the things that God has prepared in advance for us to do, right? James chapter 2 phrases it this way, What good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says to them, If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, is dead. It will change the way in which you see your world. There is not an A plus B equals C formula here. It doesn't mean that if you take care of the homeless, you're going to get to heaven. It means that if you have understood Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith, and He has given you grace to allow you to have a relationship with God the Father, then He is perfecting your faith. Through faith, grace will be made manifest. That it will change the way in which you live your life The exercise of your faith is born out of what God has already done. It's a reaction to understanding grace and the impact it has on your life. The grace upon grace that has been given to you and out of the overflow of that, we exercise our faith to find and see those things that God has already prepared in advance for us to do. doesn't mean making up a big list of comfortable good deeds for us to do. I'll tell you right now that if it feels comfortable to you, it's probably not faithful. You heard Kurt say it. Right? Faith is exercised when you can't see where your foot's going to land, folks. That's the way it is. Outside of that, faith doesn't exist. Faith is based upon not seeing the outcome. I've been with many well-meaning groups that have gone on to the streets and spent time with people and have hesitated to give people money because they weren't sure what they were going to do with it. Right? Sometimes you just got to let God take care of that, folks. to allow your resources to be given somewhere else that is directed by someone else that is listening to God. Faith means giving up control that you think you have. (laughs) Something that I wrote down in one of my journals years ago is that control is an illusion. It is a mirage that you see as you die of thirst in your own ignorance. (laughs) You keep seeking it and seeking it and seeking it, and you're just getting further and further into the desert. By grace, through faith. Not of our works, it has nothing to do with just our faith. Our faith doesn't equal grace, right? Grace is already done, and it should change the way you live. Through grace, by faith. If I really believe in grace, then I'm going to change the way I live in faith. That's how it works. I'm not going to think of myself first all the time. That's not very faithful to make sure you take care of yourself first all the time. And faith is also undergirded by the promise there in Ephesians 2.10, right? That's why these verses we come back to over and over Again. Because it sums up all of the pieces. That it's by grace, through faith, has nothing to do with our works. It's a gift from God. And that through Christ Jesus, we are made, we are designed, we are created, we are His handiwork through Christ to do those good works which God has already prepared in advance for us to do. Faith is having the ability to see things differently than the world does. To believe that God cares about every individual in this room and on this planet. (laughs) And that we have been given grace upon grace to meet some of those needs, both physically and eternally. The stories that we share, these are incredible ways to tell people that our God is faithful. The stories that we share of of marriages that last are incredible ways to tell of God's faithfulness (laughs) through us. There are ways in which the church can speak into our world and grant value that is of no earthly understanding. But it will change eternity for a lot of folks. This week, Are your eyes open to the good that God works, to the good works that God is working out in advance of you to do? Do you understand that that your faith literally opens your eyes to something that most people won't see? The empathy, the compassion, the drawing into relationship that is counterintuitive to our world. <laughs> You're exercising your faith when you step into those situations. Are your eyes open to those things? Are you thankful for grace? Are you thankful for grace and the opportunity to exercise your faith? Because the two go hand in hand. If you're thankful for what God has done in your life and eternity, then you're going to spend your life trying to help others understand it faithfully. Are your eyes open to the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do? That's the question to think about this week. As you go throughout your days and opportunities come, filter them through that. Am I seeing all that is really in front of me? Do I understand what curtain that song said to us. That we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. All of the people listed in that, that hall of faith, they're all there waiting and cheering us on in faith. They're waiting for us <laughs> to be made perfect. We're part of something much bigger than we understand some days. And we get to do it. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, first, thank You for grace that, that You took it upon Yourself and placed all of my sin upon Your Son and and You did all of that work for me. Thank You for that. Lord, I pray that You give us strength, that You give us opportunity that you allow us to see things the way that you do, that as a result of grace, we exercise faith, that as we look to you, Lord, that you continue to reveal your plan around us and that you would find us faithful. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to do that. Thank You for helping us to see the eternal value in the world around us. In Jesus' name, Amen.